Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we come to you as your children. And having sat in this uh, book this year, we know that we uh, can come to you because you've made a way. Uh, Jesus, you are reconciling all things to yourself. And so right now we ask that you uh, would fill us with your spirit, give us spiritual understanding because there's no other way that comes. And let this not just be more head knowledge, not just be another uh, lesson, but would you stir our hearts and and move us in affection for you that we would be moved out of here uh, on mission for your kingdom uh, and with you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. God's people said, amen. Amen. So I kind of feel like a poser using this illustration because I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings fanatic, but I've watched the movies, I haven't read the books, I've watched the movies, and there's a scene that has stuck with me. So Saruman is the bad guy, and he's on march, him and his whole army are on march towards uh, the kingdom of Rohan. And Aragorn and Dumbledore, Aragorn and Gandalf, (laughs) Aragorn and Gandalf are trying to convince Theoden, the king of Rohan, to prepare for this fight. There's evil is marching on them. Uh, And and Rohan, the king of Rohan, is not having it. He says, I will not risk open war. And so Aragorn's like, no biggie, that's all good. No. You Lord of the Rings nerds, you know what he says. He says, whether you would risk it or not, open war is upon you. Whether you would risk it or not, open war is upon you. And his point is, it's inescapable. It's coming, it's here. You can either prepare for it, or you can be blindsided by it. Are you going to prepare for it, or are you going to be blindsided by it? And the same is true for us as humans, as Christians. We are living in an open war. 
We are born into an open war. And you can either prepare for it or you can live in denial, but it's coming either way. It's here already. Evil is marching on us, and that's what Paul is writing about. We live in an open war, and we're in, a, in the midst of a, a cosmic battle between good and evil. And we don't like to talk about it a lot, but we do have an enemy. We do have an enemy. And, and he has plans and goals and schemes, and, and that is exactly what Paul is saying here. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. What are the schemes of the devil? What is his goal? What, what are the strategies? Well, I think probably the best way to understand the devil is to understand what God's goals are, because he is always going to be in opposition to them. So if, you're, if we're going to rewind to the very beginning of time, uh, God creates humanity perfect. And there's this word that describes this uh, situation in the garden called shalom. That means wholeness and completeness and everything as it was, everything was as it ought to be. Perfection in every direction. Uh, and one thing that I've been meditating on uh, is that there's this profound amount of integration in creation. As, you, as we read the creation account, there's this um, profound and beautiful amount of integration in creation uh, where things are differentiated but they're also linked. They're differentiated and they're linked. And, and as he, you read through the account, you see, well, night and day are different, but they are actually, they work together for the flourishing of the earth. The sea and the land are different, but they work together for the flourishing of the earth. Man and, women, man and woman are different, but together they more fully represent and more fully give us the image of God. They're differentiated, but they are linked. And that's what integration is. And as we studied about the brain and we learn more, we know we have different neural networks that are different, but they're linked. And when you have a healthy mind, they all work together. And so this idea of integration is a really beautiful one in creation. So, so God's intention from the very beginning is the flourishing of mankind through this integration. So what do you think Satan's goal is? Disintegration. Yeah, the, the enemy's goal is disintegration. He, he wants to unravel shalom. He wants to fracture this kind of completeness. And, and he wants to do it in such a way that it would destroy any evidence of God's goodness and his glory in the world. That is his diabolical plan. And even the word diabolical is really fascinating. It has the same root word as diablo, which you guys all know, devil. And, and diabolical literally means to cast apart or to pull apart. So if God's plan is the integration of all these different things, Satan's plan is to 
to cast apart, to disintegrate these things and cause chaos and dysfunction and disorder and distortion in the world. He's trying to disintegrate everything that would point to God's glory, including you and me. We have an enemy who wants to destroy us, who, who wants us to live in disintegration. Open war is upon us whether we would risk it or not. The evil one is marching on us. And, and Satan does everything he can to blind us uh, from the truth of the gospel, to blind us from coming to faith in Christ. And even once we do, even if you have confessed Christ, then he does everything he can to distract and to cripple our discipleship. That's why Paul is saying here that we need to be ready, that we need to put on the whole armor of God, which is very defensive. If you look at the different parts of the armor, it's almost all defense. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Uh, Anytime you read the word therefore in the Bible, what should you ask? What's it there for? That's right, because the context matters. And thinking about Ephesians as a whole, this is the very end of the book. So this is Paul's like final argument, his final oomph to, to communicate his message to his original audience. And I think this, is, like, this passage is actually encapsulating all the rest that has come before it. So in context, why why is he saying to put on the whole armor of God? Why is he saying to to stand firm? Uh, It's because Jesus has defeated sin and evil and death already. And so we just have to remain (laughs) until he comes back. We just need this defense until he returns and makes all things right. And this leads me to my main point today. We have a defender. We have a defender. I think so often when you hear commands like this or sermons like this, put on the whole armor of God, uh, we can work ourselves up into, I need to be strong, I need to do these things, I need to have a really strong faith. And, And we hear about open war and we naturally have one or two responses, depending on where you're at. We either rally to it or we retreat from it. If you're a challenger, you're like, oh, war, I'm in. I can be a soldier for God. I'm going to do so much for God's kingdom. Maybe that's your response. Or maybe your response is more the retreat kind. It's like, a war? I am too tired for that. Can I just watch? Netflix? Like, I don't want to be part of that. Uh, We either rally or retreat. And the problem with this is that both responses are too self-focused. We have this main character energy, uh, but we are not the main character. In the story of the universe, we are not the main character. Yes, we are in an open war, and yes, we are soldiers in God's army, Uh, But we have a mighty champion. We have a great defender. Uh, We have someone who has already won the war. And Paul gets this imagery. He doesn't just think of this on the spot, by the way. He pulls it from Isaiah. 
the prophet Isaiah uh, predicted this. Isaiah 59 paints this picture. God is a mighty warrior, and he is the one who sees injustice in the world, and he is stirred up to fight. Let's read. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one, and he was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate. Sound familiar? And the helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. We have a defender. Can we just stop and take that in for a moment? You have a defender. How often do you feel like you have to defend yourself? How often do you feel like you have to have your justifications and rationales ready and your walls up? How often do you feel alone? You have a defender. When it comes to spiritual warfare, when it comes to your salvation, we have a defender. And Christ is our mighty champion. He is the embodiment of this passage. He is the one who sees injustice and puts on the armor himself and becomes a human. This is what we're celebrating. He puts on human flesh and comes down. He decisively earns the victory over Satan, sin, and death. The forces of evil did all they could, the best that they could, and they did not see the resurrection coming. And he earns the victory for us. And he is also the one, then, who gives us the armor. This is the command to put on the whole armor of God. Uh, I've been thinking about this command a lot this week, naturally, and asking other people, how do you actually do that? How do you put on the armor of God? I've been hearing this passage my whole life, and I didn't really have an answer for it. Well, you pray. Like, do you have an answer for it? How do you put on the armor of God? It's kind of elusive, right? Somebody I asked said, well, I know how to put on anxiety. <laughs> I, I know how to put on worry. I don't really know how to do that exactly. Let's walk through some of the parts here. Uh, Paul starts with truth, right? The truth is the belt. And and I want to say Christianity works because it is true. It works because it's true. Uh, M. Scott Peck is a psychiatrist and writer, and he says mental health is dedication to reality at all costs or dedication to the truth. And I would echo that, that spiritual health is dedication to the truth at all costs. Dedication to the truth at all costs. And a belt seems kind of like a lame piece of armor, right? Uh, But the original audience would have the the Roman uh, armor in mind. And the belt is the thing that held everything together. And so for Christians, the truth is the thing that holds all things together, Secondly, he talks about righteousness, the breastplate. A lot of vital organs here. 
It, it's our justification that is our righteousness. It's Christ's work on our behalf that is our righteousness, won by our defender. Then he talks about the, the readiness. You put on the shoes of peace, the gospel of peace, which is kind of ironic, right? You're going into war. We need to put on peace. But that's what he says. Well, a part of getting ready for war is putting on peace. And we can have peace in a chaotic world because we have peace with God. As Paul has said earlier, we were once children of wrath, but now we are children of God, children of the light. And we have peace with God, and we can take that peace into this chaotic world. Fourth, faith. Faith is our shield. Roman soldiers would have this big rectangular wooden shield, and it's covered in leather, and they would soak it in water so that when you took it out and enemies shot fiery arrows. Can you imagine getting shot with a fiery arrow, by the way? But they would do that. And when it hit the shield, it would be extinguished. Faith is that thing that extinguishes the, the fiery arrows. Belief in Jesus as the risen Lord and trust in him will protect you from the enemy who wants to disintegrate you. Arrows of despair or difficult seasons or personal tragedy or even personal triumph that leads to arrogance and pride. It's faith that will protect you from those arrows. And finally, the helmet, salvation. We wear salvation. So back to my question. If these are the things that we are to put on, how do we do that? How do we put on these things? Do we just search inside of us for peace or for righteousness or, or for salvation? Can we just dig deep and get those things? And, and as I reread Ephesians this week, I realized that Paul has already answered this question throughout the book pretty consistently. And, and the whole key to understanding the armor of God, to understanding the gospel, to understanding Ephesians is wrapped up in this little two-word phrase that we've talked about a lot through this series. In Christ. In Christ. So how do we put on the armor of God? It's basically asking the same question, how do we live in Christ? Because it's from Christ that we get all these things. Right? We, We don't get righteousness and peace and salvation and faith just from ourselves. It's God who grants us these things. It's the Holy Spirit who grants us these things. And Paul even starts the passage this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Not in, not in the strength of your own might, but in the strength of his might. We put on the armor of God by... Faith and by the Holy Spirit helping us. It's this mysterious thing, mysterious thing that we call union with Christ. And living that way. And if you want really practical commands, just go back and read chapters 4 through 6. There's a bunch of, a bunch of them in there. Children, obey your parents. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Speak the truth in love. Forgive one another. Like these are all the implications of living in Christ. Uh, I want to focus on just one image here, though, and a, a vision for the new year 
uh, and a hope for us as a church also. And, and that's the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Uh, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. When you picture this in your mind, someone taking up the shield of faith, what do you picture? Just try to in a moment, for, for a second here. I know when I read it, I read it very individually. It's one person taking up the shield of faith. It's, it's me taking up the shield of faith. I, and I think I have to have this strong faith. But the original army would have, a, the original audience would have the Roman army in mind. And that's a legion of soldiers at a time. And how they used the shield was not just for themselves. They would cover the person next to them. A single Roman soldier with a single shield was vulnerable on three sides. But together, when, you, when they would work in uh, cohesion as a unit, when they would be with each other in the legion, they were virtually invincible. That's why the, the Roman army never uh, crumbled from the outside. Rome crumbled from the inside. They were virtually invincible when they were working together. And I think you see where I'm going with this. Right? The shield of faith is not a solo activity just like Christianity is, is not a solo activity. It's not a solo lifestyle. If you think you can be a lone wolf Christian, remember you're not a wolf. You're a lamb. Have you heard of a lone lamb? A lone lamb is a dead lamb. And that's true. For I think about, I, you cannot live Christianity alone. Y- even parallel, to a, a soldier parallel to the rest of his legion, if, even if they're just 10, 20 feet away, he is so vulnerable compared to being with the pack. And so having a shield of faith, part of that means is you have a, a faith community. And, and that I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys are the ones that showed up New Year's Day. All you people watching online. <laughs> no, not really. Church attendance is important. I am talking about being part of a church and coming to church, but it's way more than that. Because you can come here and know everybody and, and do all the small talk and the, the waving and uh, the, the smiling in the lobby. It's, that's not the same thing as being integrated into a church community. You can be well-known without being known well, right? Everyone can know your name and have no idea what you're walking through alone because you just haven't shared. The battle that you're walking into alone when you could have a, a community of faith who helps you, they could be part of your shield. So many times when people have doubts and despairs and uh, I'm kind of uh, skeptical and cynical about the church, what I'm going to do is take those things to somebody else who also has left the church and talk to them about it. When what we should be doing is taking it to each other and, and say, here's what I'm skeptical about. Here's what I'm struggling with. Help me. And we can actually hold faith for each other. 
and be part of this faith community shielding each other. We can't be lone lamb Christians. We can't be lone wolf Christians. There's no such thing. Especially because this is right where the enemy wants us. He wants us to be isolated. He wants us to feel lonely. This one, we're most vulnerable to the attacks of the devil. That is when he will disintegrate us. Remember, we're in an open war. Stay with your legion. Stay with your your army. Don't go off on your own. And so my hope, my prayer for myself, for all of us this year is uh, that we would take off those self-preservation garments. The, the garments of looking, having a polished image or making other people think we have it all together when we really need help. And, and we put on authenticity and part of that, we're putting on the armor of God is being part of the faith community and really letting other people in, knowing other people and being known. Let's remember that. Let's strive for that. And remember that we have a defender too. He's already won the decisive victory over evil, sin, and death. And he will come again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this treasure, for this letter to the Ephesians that that we 2,000 years later can be enriched and transformed by the, the same truths as those first century Christians. Jesus, you became flesh and dwelt among us. You are our mighty champion, slaying the Goliath of Satan, sin, and death. To you belongs the glory and praise. Help us. Holy Spirit, fill us with love to live in community, to live integrated, and to hold this shield of faith for and with each other. God's people said...